Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night to everybody that's listening. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. We're doing this live on stereo, as usual, so you can listen to us live at scheduled times, or you can catch us up on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you like to do podcasting, and we'll be there for you. And we've got a lot of stuff today. Today is our Mouth of the Clyde Sunday brunch, where we go and buy all the newspapers so you don't have to. And it's not that we're discouraging you from buying newspapers. It's very good to support journalism and stuff because it's a troubled industry at the moment and for the past few years, but it is very expensive. And we know the people, some people are a bit broke just now. So we go and buy the Sundays, we scroll through all the shit and we present what we think is the most interesting stuff. But obviously we do this for an hour. We can't present everything that's in the Sunday paper. So we'll do our very best. But if you're interested in more detail, you can always go and buy the papers yourself and support good journalism because... Always remember, chaotic information is free, but good information is expensive. I would just like to point out that today's paper budget was £14.95. And that's all made possible by our good friends at the Emberclyde Boiler Company, who sponsor this podcast, and Mouth of the Clyde Endeavours, who we much appreciate, our good friends over there. And as I've said, they've got a new showroom coming soon over at Orangefield, but for right now you can find them on social media. But all this is made possible by the Emberclyde Boiler Company, so they're keeping us warm and toasty and supplied in newspapers. Thank you, Boilers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you have lots of news today for everybody? I've got a massive list. See, because I know that you buy the big, tall ones, papers, the and I buy the ones with the red that are probably best wrap, like wrapping fish and chips in than they are for news. Yeah. So... I think with your mix of probably highbrow, I'm going to lowbrow. Let's call it no lowbrow, low but not lowbrow. But sometimes the red top papers would cover things that the broadsheets wouldn't, and vice versa. So it's important we've got a good um, scope across the board. It's good to read newspapers that you might not necessarily agree with the views from, just to see what other people are talking about. So it's important to stay open. But I don't want to start off on a heavy news note. We like to start off a bit more lightweight and a bit more fun. So what we do have is from the magazine that accompanies the Sunday Times. It's called Style, Sunday Times Style. Um, and what they do every Sunday is they've got a section that says heating up and cooling down. So they tell you what's cool right now and what is not cool. And typically when we read this on the Mouth of Clay Sunday Brunch, the things that are cooling down, we were never even aware was something that was heating up in the first place. We've totally missed the craze. So the, the cooling down things is news to us. So we're, we're much behind, but we'll keep you up to date. Um, apparently, the, the cooling down things for this 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 week is the phrase "living rent free in my head," and that is meme speak for when you can't stop thinking about something. And they're saying that's grating on them right now. Have you ever used the, the phrase "living rent free in my head"? No, but I have heard it a lot in wrestling. Yeah, I've I've heard it a lot, like on sort of Twitter and social media stuff like that. Uh, uh, what's it called? Ticky talky, but um, I don't. I don't use that phrase, maybe it's a Gen Z thing. Um, another thing that's cooling down right now is Apple spas. Um, and what that means is taking the weekend to delete old iPhone pics, sorting out your contacts, uninstall apps, etc. They're saying it's bleak and boring, which I agree is bleak and boring. I wouldn't sit and do that. I would just up- upgrade my cloud storage and so there's more space to store it. I wouldn't want to look at it. Just let it be. Do you ever delete this... your iPhone over the weekend? I do. I do this thing where like, sometimes I might keep the same photo, so I might have like four or five in the same picture because I'm lazy instead of going to, going up to find mm. it I'll just print screen it and I'll have it again mm-hmm. so I'll do that and doesn't the, app, the Apple phone do a thing where if you've not used the app 
Rages, it just gets rid of it, so the next time I you... think so, but I think that's a setting on there. I don't think it does it automatically. You need to set that up to do that. No, I have that. Um, another thing here that's cooling down apparently is yogis trying to recreate their forty degree um centigrade class in their shower. Try explaining that to the plumber. But again, just to circle back to our sponsors, if you do want to have um a Bikram yoga in your bathroom, you could go to Everclade Boiler Company and they can be a new boiler and you'll be able to have a 40-degree shower in your house and be sweating yourself away. But no, absolutely get that in the bin, kill it with fire. I would not be doing any type of 40-degree yoga. Like Regular yoga would be hard enough for me, never mind doing it like, in fucking 40-degree temperatures. Is that hot yoga then? Hot yoga. It's Bikram, Bikram yoga. Bikram. And they're saying it's called Bikram Bathrooms. Another thing that's cooling down is takeaway roulette, which sounds like a fucking danger zone to me, especially living in Greenock when the, the choices are so limited. What you do is you scroll through Deliveroo or Justy or your choice of food delivery app with your eyes closed and order it random from a restaurant. So you scroll through, pick a random restaurant with your eyes closed, scroll through and pick a random meal with your eyes closed and just live life on the edge, which in a town with not many options and as a vegetarian, I can probably guarantee whatever I click on is going to be a doner kebab. We've got, when I've looked through that, if you're doing it at night, we've only got Chinese places, Indians, and I think wine chippy. And that's Would you like it. to know the things The things now are heating up? No, heat me up, Ash. Warm my hands on your knowledge. The things, the things that are heating up, I would say, look absolutely demented, and I would encourage to be in the cooling down section, except for this one. It's small dishes in which you can store things like jewellery or maybe butter, I don't know. But they are in the shape of patisserie items. So like pan au chocolat or a croissant. So it looks like a wee croissant sitting on your desk, but it's a dish. So you're saying small boxes that you can keep things in? Yeah, small boxes you can keep things in, but they're in the shape of patisserie items. Those are little croissants or whatever, but I think they're super cool. But if you're interested in those, you can see it in this Sunday Times magazine or it's apparently for sale by a brand called SETI, S-E-T-T-E, but probably been in the Sunday Times, they are meant for rich folk. And I would imagine those croissants cost a fucking fortune. So you probably better have got an actual croissant and hauling it out and sticking your jewellery in it. Uh, spell that again, S-E... S-E-T-T-E, SETI. Um, while you're doing that, looking up for the price of that, I'll continue. There is these fucking shoes that look like you know them shoes and things that you, the outfits you get to put on babies, and it's got like, the wee sort of like almost wee soft spokes on it, and you like get the baby to crawl around. It'll clean your floor. All right. All right. But there's these shoes, and they're like high-heeled wedges, um, at, and they are like so you know them big brushes you get for for cleaning your back garden. It's really like Jesus Christ. Hold on, bear with me. I'm being alarmed. Stop. See, again, this happened to us last Sunday. I've got an alarm on for Politics Scotland because I'm tragic and this is telling me Politics Scotland is on. It should be on right now. Anyway, getting back to it, the big brown brushes that you get for cleaning your back garden floor, like pure little rough brushes, shoes that that is the sole of them and they're like sort of wee strappy wedges things. But they're saying that's heating up right now is to have fucking like shoes that looks like they're made of back garden brushes. It looks demented. So would that just be for cleaning your house or for style? It's for style, apparently, but they look absolutely insane. Because I'm, I'm sure my mum and my nan has slippers that help you polish your wooden flares. Aye, maybe I should just a little step up from that. Maybe we'll see Mrs Hinge rocking these this week. And um, I've actually got more on Mrs Hinge coming later. We'll get a story on her. But another heating up item is the tween favourite is now being re- reclaimed by grown-ups. 
temporary tattoos. Because I guess people are feeling the urge to go get a new tattoo. They're missing getting a bit of ink done. I know I personally am as well. I'd love to get some tattoos and piercings done. I'm missing that. So people are just getting the wee sort of um, wee henna ones or the wee sort of ones you paste on with a bit of cold water. That's a thing just now. I told you before I could easily do a prison tat. Who doesn't want a dyslexic guy with shaky hands tattooing you? Nothing could go wrong. The last thing that's heating up is a novel called Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. It's a hype new novel from the woman who wrote Merman Love Story of the Pisces. Shouldn't it be a film with Claire Foy? And it's coming out this week. It's called Milk Fed. No, I was going to try to be witty and look that up and tell you about it. But all it came up was how to milk feed your baby between 10 and 12 months. Did you find a price for the Croissant Trinket dishes? No, I could, it went to a restaurant instead. Alright. I didn't want to keep clicking. Alright, okay. Well, no price on that, but if you do see a dish in the shape of a croissant or a bread roll, that's hot right now, so grab yourself one, but be warned, it could be in the Sunday Times next week that it's not cool anywhere, so not fast your last, you need to be on these things. Oh, I've got a wee nice story today, something that's making me feel happy. We haven't talked about this on here before, I don't think. But like, I think people know that we've talked about that I've, I'm an Australian. Technically, I've got Australian citizenship. My dad works in Australia and has been there. We haven't seen him for almost a year now. And so my mum had went through great trouble and, and loopholes to fly to Australia um, at the start of February. And she had to quarantine in the hotel room for two weeks. And today... At 5.39pm, her quarantine was up and her and my dad reunited for the first time in almost a year. And it was so lovely. So I feel very happy for my mum and dad right now. They'll be out enjoying the excitement of Perth City. Is this week a comment and somebody just pissed off? Yeah. Hey, I think uh, obviously both of you are Scottish. Can I ask you guys a question? Um, Yeah. Do you guys smoke weed over there in Scotland? Do y'all have weed? And if so... Is that shit good? But if not, then never mind. Thank you so much, All Night Lemonade, for your question. We do have weed in Scotland, and both Will and I have partaken in weed. It's not good. It's it's, it's not at all good. Um, but I, I have been following this company on Instagram um, that's called Lil Farms. And it is an American company, but I absolutely wish that we could get it delivered here because they've got weed of all different flavours. I'm sure if you're American um, uh, on Net Lemonade that you'll be familiar with Lil Farms, but I hope and pray for the day where that weed is legalised in this country because it's, it's ridiculous that it isn't. I feel like, what's your views on this, Brownie? Would you like legalised marijuana? Everything over here of what you got was cheese. Cheese. And it just smelled like armpits. It was yeah. awful. I had friends before that grew their own stuff and that was beautiful, like a little farm in their living room. But Anything that bought it just tasted like carrier bags. Like when yeah, you get in America, hashed. they seem to have like they've got they've got it as pop rocks, and they've got so many edibles of it. Like Americans are really really advanced on it, and they've got all these companies like Lil Farms. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. Just they look really good, and um, but they've got all these different products that you can get. It looks so cool. So I'm very envious of Americans for that. I wish we could get that here. I would make life much easier if you could just go online, buy some nice weed, have it delivered, and don't have to deal with some spotty youth in a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Best of dealer ever. <laughs> I, when you talk about like edibles and stuff, I remember my first edible was, I think it was like either a cornflake cake or a, that, and it was just hash grated into it. Mm. 
it's not good. Uh, we've got another comment. Man, that's crazy. I would assume that because, you know, Scotland's so lush and green and rolling hills and everything that you guys would probably, like, sit on a hilltop and roll a joint with a big-ass <laughs> sheep and just, you know, toy, 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 you know. But I guess not. I'm over here in America, um, in Texas more specifically. So since me being so close to California, I have a guy who has the hookup with uh, some of the best weed I've ever smoked. And every time he gets a new batch... He has people that uh, cross-strain and breed the weed so it gets better and better every time more exotic. But that's cool. Um, I've always wanted to go to Scotland. I will not try haggis, but I will wear a kilt. I love his accent. He sounds so nice and friendly. I think we should go to Texas and hang out with All Night Lemonade, and then he can come over here and hang out with us, and we can show what weed is like over here. Because some people do um, sit on hilltops with sheep or various farm animals and get high, but it's not legal. I have smoked weed up the cup before and just got lost and panicked yeah. and had to phone a mate. That, was, that wasn't good. And the rolling, yeah. the rolling, the rolling hills. hills of Scotland, yeah. So, Lemonade, two things. Is it snowing where you're at? Are you, are you safe? And also, Ash lived in California for a bit. So I did live in California, but I, I had a small amount of weed when I did live in California, but I was um, very young, so probably didn't experiment as much as I should have done. I've always been interested by that because buying it off a use in a Ford Fiesta would be different from going in somewhere that would be like, I always see like weed shops kind of like the idea of like a vape shop or that shop at the Esplanade that sells like half pounds of sweeties and stuff. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like when you go in and you're like, oh, can I get a quarter of cola cubes? And oh, can that's the way I see weed shops. Like, I've, yeah. I've never been like, I was always interested what a legal shop would be like. But we should go in, and when all this madness is finished, we could go on a wee vacation to America. We'll go and experiment and, and try out the weed shops and see how it is. Um, there was actually a guy here in my town uh, a few months ago before um, we got on a big lockdown. He was selling hot dogs out of a cart. And as soon as he spoke, because I watch a lot of TV, I'm 29. I grew up watching fucking everything. I knew his accent was Scottish. I asked him, and for like four days, I just showed up just to fucking hear him speak. I would smoke a fucking a fat ass joint, and I would go, and I'm like, oh, I need a fucking hot dog, man. Let me hear you say, uh, you know, something Scottish, man. He was fucking great, and I'd love to do an exchange program where y'all come over here to hot, dry, dusty, tumbleweed Texas, then that I go over there to beautiful ass Scotland. That sounds like a good idea to me. That's a but plan, I think I think all night lemonade might be a bit disappointed when he gets to Greenock and sees that we aren't in a nice like touristy photographic bit. We're very much uh more rough but like when people talk about Glasgow and think it's gonna be rough, Greenock's sort of a extension of that. It's um a lot more the marijuana smokers than the sheep in the the hills and stuff uh, like that. Think more train spot in Scotland. Yeah, train spot in Scotland is very much is very much our surroundings. But we would love to. We would love to come to Texas and do a exchange program. Yeah, I'm um, cool with that. Also, can I mention? He said the haggis. You can get vegetarian haggis. Which yeah, is and vegetarian haggis fantastic. is so good. It's really good. It doesn't have the blood in it. It doesn't have the guts. It's just got like the flavour of haggis, which is like sort of like spiciness and stuff like. But you know, I'm really jealous of all night lemonade because I know in Texas you'd probably get like amazing food because I used to love Tex-Mex and like you get the best food in America, that's something that you, you have to give them as well, like, they do have the best stuff over there. You just supersize everything and put sugar in it. 
but it's so good like honestly like at times I've made stuff for you like a steak and a chimichanga and stuff like that's all Tex-Mex like all night lemonade that's just probably his life all the time he gets all that amazing stuff constantly I'd bet and we just get chips and cheese don't don't be knocking chips and cheese it's not good though and just for all, like, all night lemonade if you're listening still um, or any Americans by, by chips and cheese we don't mean like nachos and cheese we mean like french fries with grated cheese on top of it and that's what you get for the chip here it's disgusting Oh, I, I guess if it, probably if you're high, if you've got a bit of weed, um, chips and cheese probably might be an ideal snack. Uh, that would be like one of my go-tos. Like after the pub, I would go get chips and cheese and that would be me for the night. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Right, should we get started on news? Because as usual, we bought all the Sunday papers, so you don't have to. We can try. I have Max the Newshound with me. Max the Newshound. Cleaning himself at the minute. He's just back oh. from his big walk, isn't he? Yeah. Since we've just spoke to All Night Lemonade, we'll start on an American story, shall we? Let's go. Donald Trump. Guess who's back? Back again. Fucking Trump is back. He is in his first post-presidential speech today. He will address the biggest annual gathering of grassroots conservatives in Orlando, Florida, immediately after a poll is expected to show he is uh, most attendees first choice for the Republican nominee in 2024. His son, Donald Trump Jr., spoke on it saying, we're looking forward to Sunday. Um, I imagine it will not be what we call a low energy speech. And I assure you that it will solidify Donald Trump and all of your feelings about the MAGA movement as the future of the Republican Party. So it's it might not be over yet. Trump might be back again and today's making that first speech. So what do you think about that? Do you think the world is ready for another four years of Trump? Empire Strikes Back, dear. Yeah. Back but, again. No. Donald's back. We did go and see his car when he came over is it his thingy? Is a golf course? Are we, are we saw Air Force One and stuff like when he flew into <clears throat> um, Turnbury, that's where his golf course is one one of his golf courses in Scotland. He flew in here and we went there and we protested and we took, at the time, my four-year-old cousin with a sign saying, uh, Mr Trump, my hands are bigger than yours. And that was her first protest. What was your first protest? I went to um, protest the poll tax in Edinburgh when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. I was in my pram. I was holding a wee sign protesting the poll tax. There you go. But um, if we do have any Americans listening, we'd love to hear your like thoughts and opinions on the whole like Donald Trump presidency and stuff, your feelings and experiences of it, whether you're pro or against Donald Trump, no judgment. We want to hear from all sides um, and what your thoughts would be um, on the Republicans endorsing him yet again and coming back in 2024. How does that make you feel? How would that affect your life and your work and your family? Because his presidency touched all aspects of American life. So if any Americans are listening, we'd like to hear your views on that and uh, what you think his, his uh, event is going to be like today. Because I always hear that <clears throat> people that become Trump fans, like that can split. It's been splitting up families and like not speaking to people from, like, yeah. it causing a massive divide. And that I always find, because I had a, a few members of my family that when we were voting for independence, and like we seen like oh some might split, some don't, but we're all right. Like that, no one like was, no one I knew anyway was going. Like it didn't cause that much. Yeah, hurt, you know. I know, but I think in America, politics is so deeply rooted in it. It's such an emotional decision, and 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 it's the difference between, like, say, for example, if you had a family member that was gay or something like that, like that would be the difference between them being in your life and not. Like, it's massively divisive. But there are only two teams, 
and they mentioned it like, well, I'm a I'm a thingy Republican. What is it? I'm a, a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. Like, mm-hmm. why why would you mention that? Like, I think like, you're not a place to judge it until you've lived in that country. Oh, yeah. and the climate is like, and I mean, I have I, no clue whatsoever. I, like, I I left the country years ago, so it's not even my place to comment on it. But I know I was there during the time of like George Bush and like his first presidency and like nine eleven and all that sort of stuff. I was there. I feel like a really crazy time. So that's my experience of it. But I, I can't imagine. Like I always thought <clears throat> because I have I've got a green card and stuff. I thought oh maybe I'll return to America one day and because I miss it and I love it and stuff. But I think when Trump sort of came in, I thought, no, I, no, I'll never go back there again. I think it's finished for me. Even when I went there, like, on a wee vacation, I went to New York for, like, four or five days. Like, I was talking to my husband about this last night. We really felt the tension in the air. It felt like a completely different country. Um, it just, people, like, when we flew into the airport, the, the people were really rude and kind of abrasive. They were on edge. There was just a sort of like fervor there. And when we went to New York for our vacation, it was like when Trump had just came in, like he'd been sworn in in January and we went in at the start of February for Valentine's Day. Um, and like the, all, all the children were being rounded up and like put in like, you know, the cages and stuff like that. The, the travel ban had been implemented. So it was really at the height of all this stuff. It was kind of a, a really like scary fever time to be traveling to America. Yeah, and also my sister just went to Arizona at that time also, and she was uh-huh. hanging about with with Native Americans and Mexicans, and she said they always got trouble and people were really weirded out by her hanging about with them, I think. See, that's Which... really sad. That's really sad. But I had that experience also that when I lived in America, I, I was in a, a school in an area where I lived as well. They would call it, like, quote-unquote, a ghetto, I suppose. Um, and the people there were, like, mostly Hispanic, people of colour, like, in black, it was just, that, like, the schools I went to, the schools I went to were all that, like, I was very much in the minority of being a white person there, um, and I experienced, like, that was my middle school, and I experienced, like, it was fine, everybody was fine, everybody got along, there was none of that, but when I went to high school, it was, like, a sort of more, um, like, affluent area high school, more, like, white people dominated, and I definitely saw discrimination there. Were you still representing Young Gibby team when you were there? Yeah, I still had this accent, still stood out like a sore thumb, like I was wearing my, you know, what is it? Oh, they, they call you a rocker over there, because in Scotland there isn't much di- dissemination in the sort of alternative lifestyles, like if you wear like band t-shirts, you're a goss, but in America you can be a rocker or a punk or a skater, there's very much like sort of small subsections that represent that, but I was in that weird subsection as usual, but anyway, next story. Um, Dubai. Have you ever been to Dubai? I have not. I've never had to fly through or anything like that. Let's, I've never been that side of the, the, the I was going to say the side of the country, the side of the world. Yeah. I've been to Dubai um, several times, not for holidays, but because living in Australia, that's the main place you fly through to, to continue on to Australia from the UK. Um, but I, I'm sure everybody has seen various influencers, Instagram model people, um, taken to Dubai during lockdown, during the pandemic, going to Dubai so they can sort of live this pandemic out in the nice weather and a nice sort of affluent place and stuff like that. And they've been criticised for that. Um, but there's an opinion piece in The Observer today by Catherine Bennett asking how many um, princesses need to go missing before people will stop flocking to Dubai. Um, because as we know, there's like the, the the two princesses have been taken from Saudi Arabia. Their lawyers have spoken this. It's uh, Princess Haya, who's a, a fugitive ex-wife of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum of Dubai, 
vice president of UAE and his daughters Latifa and Shamsa both have been forcibly returned to Dubai after escaping in 2018 and 2000 respectively. The Foreign and Commonwealth Office which was holding information that might shed light on Shamsa's rendition from the UK. Um, it is a good question. Like people would quite happily go into this country with like the the restrictions that Dubai and the Saudi countries and the Emirates are sort of putting on things. And there's a further story on this about uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist who was murdered. Uh, Saudi dissidents have expressed anger and disbelief that while the US officially confirmed the long-suspected view that Mohammed, uh, Mohammed bin Salman approved the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi Crown Prince will escape punishment. A declassified intelligence assessment released on Friday concluded that the heir to the throne approved an operation to capture or kill Khashoggi. Um, this was quickly followed by a State Department announcement of sanctions and visa bans for 76 Saudis, which uh, stopped them short of penalising Prince Mohammed. So they've they've tried to make sort of movements to make it look as if they're um, punishing Prince Mohammed, but actually they're just uh, prosecuting other Saudis and things like that um, for the murder of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, and obviously he was married, leaves four children behind him and things. Uh, and after his death, he was sort of classified as the guardian of truth for the work that he did. But he's not going see, to see any justice, it seems like. On that, as you're into your politics and following news, and I'm a massive wrestling fan, and I kind of like didn't trust the WWE where they took a partnership with the Saudis for that, if you remember. Like, they did that giant uh-huh. show, and the whole thing was just adverts for how good they were and stuff. And like, they were, what they did was they didn't send any of their LGBT people or anyone that had tattoos or anything like that. Like, it was... Yeah. And as a wrestling fan, do you feel that as a business, they shouldn't have pandered to that at all? And that they should have said, yeah, they accept our talent and our performers, all of them as they are in their sexualities and beliefs and religions, or none of them? Oh, without a doubt, like, they shouldn't have done it. But Vince likes money and that's like, power. Someone offered them like that. In Crown Jewel, if you remember happened like a few weeks after they, they killed that guy when that journalist died yeah um, they just they, like here I've got a spot like a talk from Stephen McMahon who spoke and said it was an incredible tough decision given the heinous act but in the end it was just a strictly business decision to go over so we just thought about the coin mm-hmm that's really like, sad. And imagine imagine Jamal Khashoggi's wife and children listening to that statement. It's like, yeah, okay, this man has been found of murdering your father and the potential situation surrounding that, um, but we need to make a coin, so we're going to do this anyway. Yeah. They wouldn't let Sami Zayn go because he's from Syrian descent. Uh-huh. Aye. He's really? Or... Oh, he's, he was Syrian and they didn't let Norm Dargo, our favourite Scottish wrestler, Yeah. who... Who's Jewish? Who's got is from Israeli descent? Right. So let's go off a of wrestling because mm. I can go on for this for ages. Right. I'll I'll turn this to um. There's a another opinion piece from the Observer saying that is uh, is they're sort of predicting that there be some sort of class war on between people that have been vaccinated for COVID nineteen and not sort of down the line. Um. Um. Sort of saying that the vindictive will start to describe COVID as a sickness of choice. Its victims will be the victims of their own stupidity. They might have accepted vaccination. They might have protected themselves and others, as seems likely vaccines limit infections. Um, Just basically saying that people that choose not to or do not accept a vaccine for whatever reason, whether that's, you know, religious or 
but it's for a poverty reason that they haven't been offered the vaccine or don't have the means to get to go get their vaccine, haven't got the vaccine regardless. And the people that do have it are then going to judge these people and there's going to be some sort of um, divide on this. Do you, Can so, you foresee something like that happening? This is what I'm kind of seeing and guessing from mm-hmm. this. Look, most when I think acting vaxxers, I think of people like, I'm not getting my kid jagged because it gives them autism or it makes them grow wings or whatever the, yeah. the thing is, right? So now they get to take it on the chin themselves and not make a choice for a child and they get to go, I'm not taking it because I don't trust Bill Gates for putting, making me a half cyborg and able to see through my eyes or some kind of nonsense like that. Well, yeah, and we do have something else on that. Let me just grab it real quickly. Um, they, There's a, an article here talking about, there was a, a lady called Amy who was on Zoom with her friends. <clears throat> um, all her friends, the group, are in their early 30s mostly university educated and in professional jobs. Amy mentioned to her friend that she'd had a COVID vaccine. This uh, the, She had concerns um, about the COVID vaccine um, because she was about to go get it. One of her friends says, I was going to go get the vaccine, but I was I was planning to do IVF in the next year or two. Um, and she believes that the vaccine will make her infertile. And this is something that I've heard quite a lot lately, that the vaccine causes infertility. And that's the, sort of one, one of the major drivers of hesitancy around getting the vaccine. But there's been like explicit reassurances from scientists and doctors saying that your fertility is absolute nonsense. And um, Professor Jonathan Van Tam, who's England's deputy chief medical officer, has come out and said there's absolutely no evidence at all there's any issues in relation to planning a, a family or fertility. Um, it's based on misinformation, but it's out there, unfortunately. Vaccination does not stop you getting pregnant, and it is the best way of reducing the risk of getting COVID when you are pregnant. Um, so it's, it's it's scary, absolutely scary. So all, all these things just start from a, a rogue Facebook comment and just take arms and legs, as we know, we've seen with various things. Did you see that thing? It was like uh, BBC Panorama a couple of days ago, and they were talking about how they are two epidemics at the minute. They are one being COVID and the other one being mistruth. Like it's just been the lies, and like it's mm-hmm. a lot of people saying like. Or if you get this virus and they go around and they talk to the people what they thought, then they bring in a real doctor to speak to them, like an eight-year-old that wouldn't get it because they thought it would pretty much end their life, or people saying that their children were already, their children had, I think it was either MS or something like that, and it says mm-hmm. like it would, it would hamper them. It was like people that was right against it just because of like a Facebook post or that. You've seen that like twenty-five minute video where yeah. it's a doctor that bought his his doctorate on Wish, mm-hmm. saying that it's it's mental. Yeah, um, there's further on that as well because the so this is this is English statistics. I should say we're obviously covering Scottish news for the most part, but this is this is in relation to NHS England, um, and it's saying that more than a fifth of NHS healthcare workers in England have not received their first dose of the COVID vaccine as of a week ago. Um, the government had claimed that all, all healthcare workers had been offered the jab, but new figures released by NHS England show that only 77% of its 1.4 million healthcare staff had received the vaccine, and that's by last Sunday. Um, obviously, that, those figures may have gone up this week and stuff, people may have got it, but the government's saying that everybody's been offered it, but that is in fact not the case. So, if like, my mum being a nurse had it. Your mum being a nurse has had it. So. But, but her mum's a nurse in NHS Scotland. 
Yeah. So I'm just saying, look, I'm just saying from the NHS Scotland point of view, look, that's like they've got it already. Yeah, I. But basically, it seems what what the Observer are suggesting is that the, the British government are are misleading in their statistics according to NHS England. Not everyone has been offered it. Maybe that's been um, turned on its head. Maybe people have within the past week, but to go from seventy seven to one hundred percent in a week seems unlikely to me. I doubt that. Um, the big news, obviously, of course, coming this Wednesday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak is going to be doing the first budget in 12 months. That's hotly anticipated. Um, what they're saying today is that he's set to offer 700,000 shops, pubs, restaurants, hotels and other businesses grants of up to £18,000 each as part of a £5 billion rescue scheme to prevent mass bankruptcies. Um, and that plan is, is set to be announced this Wednesday in the budget. Um, it's come to increasing pressure to avoid or postpone significant corporation taxes as companies struggle to weather the latest COVID-19 lockdown and strong enough state to reopen. And last week, almost 400 leaders of small and medium-sized firms from the Fighting Back for Business campaign <coughs> sorry, excuse me, uh, wrote to the Chancellor calling for debts across uh, accrued through government-backed loans to be entirely written off um, to as many as tens of thousands of companies crashing into insolvency. Under the budget plans, non-essential retail businesses will be eligible for up to, for direct cash grants up to £6,000 a site to help them start trading again when they're allowed to do so. I'm on the sky looking at the hints that he's put out because he was on one of those politics shows this morning. Mm-hmm. Look what he said, and it says, he hints at furlough extension, but he must level with the public over the pandemic toll. Mm-hmm. So he's hinted at the extension... But at what cost? Um, what you said last night was our local businesses have been hit hard by the pandemic, which is why we went big and went early with a multi-billion pound package of support. There's now light at the end of the tunnel and this £5 billion pounds of extra cash grants will ensure our high streets can remain open, uh, can, can, can open their doors with, with optimism. Uh, oh, and the, the Prime Minister uh, is going to be happy today. The Conservatives have secured their biggest lead over Labour since last summer, amid signs Boris Johnson is benefiting from a quote-unquote vaccine bounce from the latest op- um, opinion poll. Um, a year into the pandemic, the poll gives the Tories a seven-point lead over Labour, up five points from a fortnight ago, and it's the biggest lead since July, with Conservatives on 43% vote, Labour down one point on 36 um, Tories maintain a clear lead over Labour in terms of economic trust. Almost two-fifths, so 39% of people, said they trusted Johnson and Chancellor Rishi Sunak to handle the economy, while 25% back Keir Starmer and Shadow Chancellor Annalise Dodd. How can that possibly fucking be? I, I, would, I don't trust the man at all. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could fucking throw him, especially not with the economy, but I don't know who this 39% are. It's obviously not for us to say, but I don't know where they fucking found the people for this poll. Probably in the office of the Sunday meeting. <clears throat> probably, probably, probably. Um, there's another big story here saying that they're worried about children going back to school um, because they've seen like a sort of upswing in, compared to previous years of children needing sort of counselling services. Um, what we've seen from members on eating disorders is that they've dropped slightly in the lockdown. We're all thinking, gosh, what's going to happen now when they'll go back to school? We're all just feeling we're going to see um, lots of slightly lost, sad, confused, anxious, disorientated kids coming back to school. And it is, it's quite a troubling time for kids because one minute they were sitting in their classrooms, next minute they were forced into their houses. It, it was kind of for a reason that parents couldn't fully explain to them why, what was going on. It was a confusing thing to explain to a kid, obviously. But now they're being told, oh, you can go back but with these restrictions and things. And for kids that do have 
mental health struggles anyway, maybe some that have got eating disorders like they mentioned, that could be like a trigger for them. So I, it's like you said, like one pandemic sort of triggers more. Because I was thinking, like, what happened if school was the only way you could get away from your parents? You know what I mean? Like, if you had like a rough home life and that nine to three yeah. was the thing, and then you're stuck in there. Because mm-hmm. that got to suck. Um, it, I, I think you're right on, on that. Um, one of many things, but maybe for some people going to school is the thing that they are worried on, like maybe for bullying reasons or maybe they struggle in school. Like somebody like yourself that had dyslexia and things, like did you ever have a point where you're thinking, I don't want to go to school tomorrow, I'm scared of this test or this assignment, but if they make me read aloud in front of people, you know, things like that. Was that ever an experience that you had? Oh, yeah, you you know what my history was with like some of my teachers and that, and especially before I was given the actual new what was up with me that was the most frightening but before mm-hmm. I knew I was actually dyslexic and dyspraxic I was just told I was thick yeah so why would I want to go when I wasn't good and I wasn't getting the help I was just told he's really slow yeah and that's so upsetting. That, yeah and um, that, that was I, really upsetting if I can sort of like turn back to the budget just a wee bit um, the SNP has come out and asked the Chancellor Rishi Sunak to think beyond the UK's borders and reconsider cuts to foreign aid um, and they're worrying that the government sort of risks replacing its vision of global Britain with one more akin to little Britain if it does not reconsider its aid strategy. What the UK government are proposing, and again, you've probably seen a couple of months ago that Tony Blair came out and said that he is deeply against this, and David Cameron as well, so ex-Prime Ministers think this is not a good idea, but the UK government is proposing cutting its aid budget from 0.7% of its GDP to 0.5%, and while that does not sound like a massive amount, um, that means that reduction in aid, a budget of around four billion pounds. What that actually means in real terms, and I think it's something that we all need to consider. Keep this in mind: um, is that this could lead to more than a hundred thousand early preventable deaths, one million children out of school, and a hundred and five thousand children um, unvaccinated who previously thought they would have been. So it's a massive, massive thing that they're cutting aid by this much, and it's something that we should all be concerned by and, and, and let the government know we're not happy with. I'm not personally happy with it. Are you talking of foreign aid or like... Yeah, international aid, aid, yeah. No, that's not good. No, that's not good. Um, There's actually a a piece saying that four small boats carrying 87 people, including children, made its way across the dangerous channel yesterday into the UK. The Home Office has said that all adults who arrived in Dover were tested for COVID-19 with one person testing positive. um, And the department could not confirm the nationalities or ages of those involved. Also, the French authorities um, prevented two further attempts at crossing the channel. That was that scares the shit out of me. The idea that you have to go on a wee tiny boat to try and mm-hmm. come over. Yeah. That's not for me. Um, we spoke extensively this week. If you listen to our podcast, um, from late on Friday night, we had stayed up on Friday, watching the whole Alex Salmon trial. We sort of went through that, broke it all down all the key players and stuff like that for you and just to sort of further on that today um the the SNP Westminster leader Ian Blackford um has refused to say if the first minister should step down um if she has found of, of breaking the ministerial code uh, despite calls for the first minister to stand down as she's found to breach the code Mr Blackford has thrown his support behind the party leader he said that she's made it clear on a number of occasions that she does not believe she has broken the ministerial code. I believe that it will be the case as well that this will be put to bed and we'll be able to move on from it. 
and I and my party have full confidence in the First Minister leading us to Scotland becoming an independent country. Uh, News hound? He's lying on top of me and won't let me move my hands to go on the computer or anything to look at my notes. But he just... We apologise for that. We apologise for the disruption. Max, the news hound, wants to be at the centre stage and taking part in all this. Sorry, because um, I have a lot to say on that, but hmm. I can't move my hand up. He's sitting on my mouse, so... Well, he probably weighs about five kilos, so you could probably lift him easily enough. Watch what happens when I try to listen. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. He, he just made me look like a dick again. Yeah. Thanks, Max. What were you going to say? All right, because... I just got to get the tab. No, but all the papers that I picked up yesterday were all going on about how they should that Scottish the SNP are over. That mm. was every everything that I know. But are those are those national papers? Oh, they were they were Scottish national papers. Yeah, they were like the Star and stuff. But my favourite ones. I know they're all terrible. Sorry. Um, if I could talk on something as well, I know it's of interest to you. You might have another um, views on. The universal credit uplift, uh, we spoke about that a wee while ago and I had written on that. I wrote an article for that. Um, but uh, Kate Forbes, Scotland's Finance Secretary, has urged the Chancellor to extend the £20 universal credit uplift this coming Wednesday in the budget um, and the furlough scheme, obviously, to support Scotland as lockdown measures are set to be eased over the next six weeks. The Roundtree Foundation has said that research said ending the uplift would lead to 500,000 people being pushed into poverty. So that £20, well, it seems like a small amount to 500,000 people. That is the difference. Kate Forbes says, I therefore reiterate my call for the UK government to do the right thing, make the uplift permanent and extend it to legacy benefits in order to provide meaningful and effective long term support as the effects of the pandemic continue. Um, Furlough schemes do end in April and that's three months before the Scottish and UK governments have said they hope for the entirety of the adult population to be vaccinated and two months ahead of the earliest point where restrictions in England can be ended. And Kate Forbes again urges its extension. It's clear that the scheme needs to be extended beyond present end date of April 2021. What do you think of this uplift? See, I had a look at it. The thing they don't tell you is it's not it's £20 a week, so it's an extra £100 to £120. Well, yeah, I sorry, I should on, make that clear. On your rent, no. £20, £20 a week uplift. Because they always mention it's £20. They say this £20, this £20, where it puts an extra £100 on your on your benefit. Uh-huh. So tell and, a lot of people that's a big big thing. No, yeah, because people that don't have any other benefit and they're just on universal credit alone, that's your benefit went from like £200 to like £300 to £400 like from that from that swap. That's That's really good on that. Yeah. It is. It's a big but difference. The thing that they were talking about, I remember reading, and I think they've, they've stopped it because it wouldn't make any sense. Was so instead of putting the twenty pound on everyone that's signing on on April round the tax the tax year, they were just going to give them a grand up front, which mm-hmm. wouldn't make any sense. Because imagine you got you got sacked in like the end of April or May, like you wouldn't mm-hmm. be getting that at all. Like everyone like, would would they be putting it back? Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, there's actually been a statement on it by Citizens Advice Scotland. They've said the uplift has been key to keeping many people above water. The alternative would be to sweep people in Scotland into poverty. Um, and the, the figures but the Citizens Advice have issued with a statement um, is that the £20 uplift in real terms value the payment 
is actually just keeping people like with inflation sorry I should say with inflation this is just keeping people at the value that they were getting under 2013 benefits so it's, it's barely keeping up with inflation so people actually need this 20 pound badly oh without a doubt like, it helps <laughs> a lot when when you see it mm-hmm. but benefits is like you don't realize how little it really is like you you're kind of Money ideas change where you think, oh, I've got lots of money and it's like three hundred and forty pound. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start a real job, you're like, that's like, I've done like, the, bare, the bare minimum. Aye, totally different scale. And so for people that have, for the past year get used to that extra twenty pounds weekly for that to be taken away, that could be very very difficult. No, because it's <clears> taken pretty much a fourth of your money because mm-hmm. technically you only get. I think it works out to like £115 a week. Mm-hmm. So it's adding like a quarter more onto it. Um, there's something else here that I've, I've seen in Greenock as well happening. Uh, more than 125,000 reports of fly tipping were made to the Scottish Councils in the past two years. This is from research from the Liberal Democrats. Um, it shows 127,625 reports of fly tipping were made to local authorities, but only 12 were referred to the Procurator for a school for further investigation and possibly prosecution. Um, Glasgow City Council had recorded the highest number of reports with 44,190 um, instances of fly tipping across two years. Have you seen that the, sort of during the past like, low pandemic and stuff like that? I've actually been looking into it because I was writing a report. Are you writing an article on that? Yep. Aye, and up the port, like Robert Street, since no one's been living there, people's just been throwing mattresses and like actual dangerous stuff, like fridges and freezers out. So like they, they've got stuff in them that, if poisoned, like can mm-hmm. go into the grass and stuff. Like, and is that something point... that the local authority should be addressing? Because I mean, obviously they had to make the decision to close like the local landfill and stuff like that, but that then led to people increase in fly tipping because there's somebody locally, um, that's the man with a van person. And he goes around and does various jobs for people and moves things places in his van. And he takes pictures quite often and puts it on the local Facebook group um, of instances of fly tipping. I think he takes the opportunity to clean that up when he comes across it, which is really nice of him. But it shouldn't be like in the remit of a, like, a taxpaying person to go ahead and clean that up. It should be in the remit of the local authority. And it's up at the dams and stuff like that. People just throw their stuff out or up at that, up at the hospital, like, you know, the. The thingy one, like the the overflow car park mm-hmm. across the street, mm-hmm. stuff will just get flung in there. Yeah, and again, this all goes back to we spoke last week on um, Cosla, talking about the the deficit that the Scottish government local authorities are set to have. This is all again going to feed into the budget because it, well, it's a UK government budget that's coming this Wednesday. Um, and Kate Forbes, the, the finance secretary in Scotland's already announced the plans for here, sort of preemptively ahead of that, which she was forced to do, kind of. Um, but on Wednesday, it's going to be of interest to Scottish people as well because, like, the whole Barnet consequential, we're going to see some of that money coming here and some of it could benefit local authorities who, during the pandemic, have provided extra services um, and are struggling and are, are going to see a, a big deficit in the coming years. And, like, like we discussed last week, that could show, like, real translation and in, in, in we have to pay because, for now, there's been a council tax freeze um, in our local authority in Inverclyde and in some others. Um, due to pressures that the local authorities face, but that is not going to last forever. Also, there was something you mentioned a couple of days ago, and it was mentioned on the Sunday show today, that uh, Sawa, the new Labour leader, which we'll probably talk about 
at one point. Yes, I'm just about to go into that. Do you want to mention that first? I, then I'll tell I you saw, what he was. I saw Scotland, said. Scottish Labour has a new leader, and a Star Wars beat Monica Lennon. Um, he won with 57.6% of the vote, um, defeating the party's health spokeswoman, Monica Lennon, who won 42.4%. Mr Sarwar is the first person from an ethnic minority background to lead a UK party and said his election was the greatest honour of my life. Um, and this is just 10 weeks before May's Holyrood election. The Ipsos Mori survey that was done is putting Labour at 15% in the constituency vote and 14% in the regions. I am on a thing It says, things you didn't know about Anas Sawa. Did you know his dad was the first Muslim MP in in the UK? Yeah. He held the the, late, the central, Glasgow Central seat for Labour between 97 and 2010 until his son succeeded him. He is a graduate of, of the University of Glasgow. And he's 37, which makes me, is the same age as me, which makes me feel like you've got a in your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also another thing here. Taxpayers will face a bill of up to £190 million in penalties due to irregularities in Scottish government spending of European funds, which have stretched back six years. Um, so there was sort of there was um, a, a couple of funds: the European Social Fund and the European Regional Development Fund. A certain amount of money was earmarked for Scotland for various issues. Um, and for the past two years, the Scottish government has had to put aside forty-five point five million pounds of taxpayers' money as a contingent liability over the suspension due to Brexit. Um, and it, the, the the government is saying that, like as of this week, that's no longer happening. It's been suspended over the weekend and partly lifted. Scotland was allocated more than £800 million over seven years to 2020 from the Euro funds, which require national co-financing from either public or private sources. And um, it's just sort of been exposed by the Herald today, so I'm sure we're going to hear more into that this week. So we'll keep on top of that and let you know any responses for the Scottish Government on that, because I think the story's just sort of breaking. But um, the Herald are making it as if it's something that's going to fall on the taxpayer, but I'm sure there's more to that story. I've sent you the... Could the... you mute your computer, please? Because we don't want to sit and hear your noises. Like you'd be a bit professional in this podcast. Sorry, it's usually muted. I didn't actually know. Well, it's went twice. You've got an email during this podcast. Nobody needs to hear it. All right, that was from JD Sports. Nobody cares. I'll continue. Um, the architect of the original plan to build a crossing to Northern Ireland has condemned Boris Johnson's planned roundabout under the sea, and claims it puts paid to any chance of a serious link. So that's Professor Alan Dunlop. Um, he was the first person to suggest <clears throat> building a bridge over the Irish Sea, connecting Scotland and Ireland. Um, and he said he, he's one of the, the UK's leading architects. He's a fellow at the Royal Incorporation of Architects in Scotland. He says the creation of a 25-mile tunnel or a bridge is entirely feasible, despite it being heavily criticised. Um, but he fears the scheme is dead in the water because the Prime Minister hopes of building a quote-unquote underground roundabout as part of the plan. The idea would involve as many as three tunnels heading out from England and Scotland with a roundabout beneath the Isle of Man in a bid to iron out post-Brexit issues across the UK. The proposal includes three starting points, so at Stranraer, Haysham near Lancaster and one near Liverpool. Then a single tunnel would run on from the Isle of Man to Northern Ireland. That seems fucking ridiculous. Big giant tunnel that you go through, that would scare the shit out of me. And so what, you get stopped at some sort of fucking like security roundabout and being like, where are you coming from? I guess so. Do you think you could hold your breath in that tunnel? Like the way you do with the side tunnel? <laughs> no. 
That's been a hobby of mine since I've been a wee boy. Let everyone in the car like go. <gasps> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, there's been a nice wee story actually. There's a girl in Fife. Her name is Freya Riley. She's 18 years old. Uh, last year she saw a call out on Facebook for volunteers to befriend elderly people who are lonely during the pandemic. She befriended a 70-year-old man called Chris, and he's called her his wee ray of sunshine. Says she, um, she brightens his day and talks to him, breaking up the hours alone in his house. She's one of millions that volunteered um, over the course of the past year. New, new research is to be published tomorrow uh, on this as well, revealing that a staggering 12.4 million percent of adults in the UK are suffering from loneliness due to all this. So that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I found that, like, when I worked for... Uh for a bargain shop, let's say. I, I worked on the till and I always made sure that every person that came through my till, I spoke to and tried to make make conversation because that might be the only conversation that they would have that day. Absolutely, so yeah. I would always try to make a wee thing. Where I would try to have fun with them and talk and things like that. Sometimes it would go wrong, like the time I ID'd a 70-year-old woman, I think that would be funny, and she, she told me, they want to see my fucking bus pass, which... Wasn't it? Nice. <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to go that way, but it was. But I would always make sure you'd always. I would always use the word mess or. Yeah. But I would always show them the respect. That mm. you, like, I, I one employee the month like three or four times just for be knowing how to speak to people. Yeah. And just be nice to them, and they need it that. It makes a difference. Like, it makes a difference mm. to some people. Um, to, since we're talking about Brexit there just now and the ramifications of that, I've got kind of a, a weird one. Um, a letter into the Observer um, from somebody in London who says, they fancied one of those KitchenAid mixers that Mary Berry uses and wanting to avoid Amazon, I ordered it directly from the company's website. The system failed as they were paying, so they started again. A few seconds later, they got an email confirming that they'd ordered two mixers at £500 each. They called customer services straight away and was told the order had been processed and shipped within 10 minutes. Um, the warehouse must have some sort of speed land speed record um, she was instructed to refuse the second mixer when it arrived and it actually shipped five days after that they refused the, the delivery of the second one <clears throat> and a few days later it appeared again they refused it again um, and it transpired that KitchenAid was declining to accept the item back because of Brexit, it is now stuck at Heathrow and they are down £500 um, they fear this shows that companies are going to use Brexit as an excuse to ignore sales agreements. And um, Anna Timms and the, the Observer has given the advice back says Brexit is indeed to blame, compounded by poor processes at KitchenAid, which is part of Whirlpool. Um, and basically saying that they're <laughs> desperate for sales just now at KitchenAid, but Brexit is even taking, you know, taking advantage of Mary Berry this time. Why would you avoid Amazon? Maybe she doesn't like the bosses Amazon, I, I don't know the reason behind it. Yeah. <clears throat> I've always wanted the KitchenAid myself. I think I think they're beautiful. They they brighten up any kitchen, I think. They've got that yeah. sort of look to them. Yeah, they're a lovely wee accessory, but it's the same as getting those, you know, you get, like, the fridges that are like it and the kettle and the toaster and stuff. It's all the sort of bright pastel colours, the smeg, you know, things. Smeg. Aye, but they're, they're of no actual use. They're just for cosmetic reasons only. I mean, I would love a smeg fridge, but... It would need to be used as just a sort of secondary fridge in an office or something because it's totally impractical. They're absolutely tiny. I've went to someone's house to see their Smeg fridge, like it was art. Like a friend of mine has a Smeg, and they're like, "Oh, do you want to see my Smeg?" And I went, I went out my way to go look at a fridge in somebody's house. That's that's how much I like Smegs and stuff like that. Oh dear. 
to go um, just look at it. But that's us now finish the serious news segments of today's podcast. So now we're going on to Willie Brown's weird news, news of the will. Take it away. No. All right. No, I'm I'm still going. That. Have you watched the Jodie Jones thing yet? I have not, I'm afraid, but I will watch it now, today. Now you won't be able to because they've taken, the se- they've taken the second episode down. Because what's actually happened is they, they mentioned at one point that they can't mention somebody's name, right? Yeah. But they show you the fucking name on the computer when they're typing. So now people have went out of their way to find this man. And this Hope man was have. actually only a suspect. He wasn't even a suspect. He was... He was someone that spoke at the trial, but his name came up in the computer, and he wasn't meant he he wasn't meant to be named. Technically, they kind of named him. Mm, not good. So the show's been taken down until they can fix that. But mm. the other thing is that they have been eight thousand people, like one of those what do you call them again the the ones where you you go in and oh, fuck what's the name. Well, a petition, 8,000-person petition have backed a probe saying that he didn't do it. Jodie's murder rap fails. More than 8,000 people have backed a call for the, the independent review into the Luke Mitchell thing. Crime experts Dr Sandra Liam launched a petition saying far too many unanswered questions because when you watch it, there's so many people that have done that. But they kept going back to he was a weirdo that liked Marilyn Manson. He was a Satanist. And it showed you his folder from work, from school. And it, it was just, they're like, look at all these things. Mm-hmm. He's a Satanist. And it was Marilyn Manson lyrics. And I remember we've been told this before, that we've got a friend. And if you if you remember B-Man, he was telling us this. Mm-hmm. That the, a friend of ours, the teachers pulled him up and stuff because they thought he was a Satanist and they thought he was that and all it turned out was he was writing Marilyn Manson lyrics and corn lyrics on his book and they called in a psychologist if you remember something so happened to me when, when I lived in America like so I was doing a maths test and I wasn't good at it at all and I was just kind of keen to go to school that day because we were about to fly from Sacramento to um, LA to go to Disneyland so I was just psyched to get out and go on my holiday uh, I was doing my maths test didn't know the answers so at the top of it started writing lyrics to I believe a good Charlotte song if you remember that shitty pop punk band I was into them at the time writing their lyrics at the top of my, my math test um my teacher collected it in and then asked my mother when she collected me which was unusual usually at the bus but she's collected me from a holiday asked my mother to come into the school because they believed I was suicidal due to the lyrics that I had written and my mother was very very annoyed and my um, pocket money budget for my Los Angeles trip was cut to the bone due to that I guess it wasn't Lifetimes of the Rich and Famous. That's what it was I think not. That... No, boys like girls, girls like cars and money. I don't know. I, I wasn't really a fan. I was. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I had written some good Charlotte lyrics, I believe, on my maths test, and they thought I was suicidal. Maybe I should have been listening to good Charlotte, but I was not. I, I, maybe I was at the time in that maths exam, because I'm absolutely useless at maths. Because but... you know the other day, you know how I was talking about how um, I was on Twitter... And I've seen the classwork that all the sort of the schools in Inverclyde have been doing during lockdown and doing the work from from home. And we saw the nice sort of the stuff that the St Andrews Primary had done and the the adverts for selling fairy houses, and that was lovely. Um, St Andrews also had posted a screenshot of the thing they were doing over Zoom of you had to do wee math problems and you had to connect one flashcard to the other of what math problem had the same answer as another. So it was a sort of like mathematical snap. 
and I showed it to my husband and he was sitting there and no problem and I looked at it and I could not do it and this was maths homework for second years and I couldn't do it and I'm 31 years old. When Shelby was in like P3, we, she wanted to play video games and as you know, the, the girl can wrap me around her finger. I sat and did her maths homework so she could play games because I've got, as you know, the same handwriting as a primary three, mm-hmm. probably worse. And I got eight out of ten and was told that she'll she'll be knew the answers, but I tried to do it off my head and got them all wrong. Oh dear. So she get pulled for that. What else have we got for today? All right. Lady Gaga's is now dogs are safe and sound. Thank so, goodness. Thank goodness that the puppies are okay. And she is politely going to pay for the man that took bullets for the dog's healthcare. That was fucking nice of her. Yeah, he's he's getting paid. He's he's going to get cash, or he's going to not have to. Well, the idea, the the whole idea in America that you have to pay, like it costs that much to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Like it's like two grand to get an ambo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's mental to me. Mm-hmm. Well, when we, when I lived in America and the, like my brother was in hospital because he was really unwell. Um, it got to because he was having a, a stem cell transplant, and it got to the point like even though both my parents had very good health insurance, um, it got to the point where the insurer said he's technically not worth keeping alive, and he's a ten-year-old boy, and they cut off his IV drugs, and somebody had just had chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant, his IV drugs were absolutely essential. So it just shows you that the medical system in America is absolutely fucked. But that I I couldn't imagine being a parent and someone saying. Well, it's not financially viable for your son to be alive. That's I know. Imagine that's hearing second, that. Yeah, that's it's, it makes you furious. But on the flip side of that, when that did happen to us, um, like normal people just came out of the woodwork to help us, and it was like people that my dad used to work with, and like we had moved to North Carolina, and obviously didn't know him there. We had only just moved there for his treatment, and it was when we moved there. There was like a local church that sort of adopted us. They, they helped us financially. They gave us like gifts at Christmas, at Thanksgiving. They appeared with big trays of food and stuff and helped us. So. Times like that, when you're at your lowest, it really shows you like, the goodness of ordinary people. It's lovely. So that's pretty much like one of those funding websites then, but before that? Yeah, it's like a sort of primitive GoFundMe. You know, that people helped out. It shows you, look, because the other thing that I've always said that you've been really nice for is you can't pass a homeless person. Like there'll be a homeless guy standing in the street and you go over and you you confuse them for being so nice to them. They're expecting like a pound or something, and you're like, "Do you want to go to the shop? What would you like? Would you like a sandwich?" And they just don't know. Like they've never had someone be so nice to them, and you're like, "We'll get you a dessert for after your sandwich, so you would like something sweet. Would you like a can?" And like I've seen so many homeless people look so confused and so happy that you would do something like that. That you wouldn't just either walk past and be like, "Oh, they'll use that money for smack." Like I've seen you bring actual happiness to. Like the guy outside the train station that you went in, and he was so happy that you got him salt and vinegar crisps. Like yeah. you changed that man's day with a packet of waters. It sounds like I've asked you to like say this is like some sort of promotion of me. Like, and I don't expect <laughs> I don't expect any sort of praise for it. I just I feel like if I'm in the position that I'm fortunate enough to be able to, like I feel like I've got you know a, a safe roof over my head. I've got food. I've lived with people that love me and stuff like that. I'm in a safe position, so some people aren't so fortunate as that. So if I'm able to help somebody, then I want to do that. Because I've I've tried that right, and the the best that I get is 
I used to smoke menthols and I'll be walking past and a homeless person goes, Oh, can I get a cigarette off you? And I'll be like, Oh, there you go. And he went, I don't smoke menthols. And that would be, <laughs> <laughs> and that would be it. And I'll be like, I'm, I'm trying to help out. Because yeah, remember, like, I'm, again, I'm not trying to bring like, attention to myself or any sort of praise, but expect anything like that. But there was one time that me and Will were in uh, like Tesco Metro in Glasgow and we were staying in the hotel because we had some big boozy night out. We decided to stay up there. We were in this Tesco Metro getting booze and stuff like that. And there was this man there and the security were following him around. The man had obviously had a few and stuff like that. And he was a homeless person. And these the Tesco people were really antagonising him, I felt like. And they were phoning the police. They were about to have him arrested. All this man wanted is he had like a few coppers in his hand. All he wanted was a beer. And so I went over to him and like chatted to him, calmed him down. I told him to wait outside so he could like remove himself from the situation. I bought him like a six pack of beer, took it outside to him and he went on his merry way. But I just feel like there's sometimes there's an easier way to defuse the situation. If you just recognise what somebody's going through, listen to what they're saying to you and what they want, they could have put him into a world of trouble there. They could have put him into right. like a jail for the night, got him into mere trouble and God knows what would have happened to him. All he wanted was a beer. He maybe just was in a bad day. He just wanted a fucking beer. And all it took was some person to step in and rationalise that and be like, I'm here and I'm listening to you and I'll help you. That's all it took. Did he not have a dog? He had a dog. And I wanted the dog. (laughs) That was the thing I remember. He had a dog. You were probably talking to him. And I was sitting rubbing the dog. Like He couldn't Uh even tell us anything. I was like, oh, look at you. Lovely doggy. Um, What else we got? What else? Right. So I've covered that. Morton player person. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to Greenock. So, <clears> ex-Morton <throat> player Derek Collins has been building his new house up on, let me find the area, because I don't know where it is, Shanklin's Road in Greenock. And what he's been doing is, is near well, there. Near where my cousin lives, maybe. I, I don't know where Shanklin's Road and. Andrew from Greenock usually is the person that comes out and tells us where places are because he is a Google map. Yeah, maybe he'll explain it to us where it is. Yeah, so what happened was, was he was doing it up and he got it down to the foundations and he's just been turning off of people's water in the street to help him, help him build his house. And also because his pipes are shown, because it's down to foundations, the pipes have froze and exploded and things like that. And he's not bothered telling people. It's just people who just get up the next morning and they've not got any water and they're like, oh, is that? Mm, so, that's poor. Oh, I know where Shankland Road is now. I've Googled it. It's behind Bolston train station. Oh, yeah. I know where that is. I should have known where it is. That's the Gibby. But it's at the bottom of Gibby. It's not where I was. I was at Poplar Street. I was but, up at the top looking over every day, looking down on. Ex Mortonplay building a house in the like, if you told and me you're like I'm, I'm building a house and you went any giving you're like are you putting up a tent? <laughs> no, Gibby's no. like a lovely place to be brought up. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm a less ender. I'm, I'm making. Like, I didn't. You know anyone that lives there? No, um, like they, there are a whole bunch of new builds up there now. You're going to get yourself stabbed, so move on quickly, Mrs. Hinge. Yeah. My Mrs. Higgs story, let me find it again with Mrs. Hinge. What what has happened? I think I've either sat on these stories because I can't find out where Max has stole them. But I know this story, but I can't get into detail. Max, have you stole papers off me? Max and you sound just making a nest. Yeah. All right, here we go. 
Mrs. Hinch was trying to show her followers a table that she bought from Wayfair. And she was like, oh, it's only £129. Look at it. It's beautiful. And within an hour of her showing her followers, it went up to £320. That because on she On Wayfair. Wayfair said, oh, it had nothing to do with it. And it was just a... Look, she, she doesn't have a brand deal. Any brands that do this, she doesn't want to work with them because that's not cool. Wayfair denied changing it. But I've seen and... things like this happen before. That Mrs. Hinge will post, like, for example, an eBay listing that she's got something from, and then within minutes of her posting it, the listener of the eBay um, thing will like, double it or triple the price. So she, I know she doesn't like posting things because people take advantage of it like that. So she'll just sort of vaguely suggest, oh, I googled these words on eBay and, and this is what I found. So people can find it because these people do take advantage of the Mrs. Hinge brand. Oh, geez. It went down again. It was only £114. And it says here, it's pointed out that it's Dallas two-drawer chestnut drawers highlighted by Mrs. Hinch have now been reduced to 114.99. Her online influence is so strong that according to a recent study, 60% of the people would buy a product recommended by her. People on her thing that thinks that she see, and I, I have to agree because when I watched the videos, I went and bought myself a minkey. And you I love, love minkeys. minkeys now. You I, absolutely I love, love minkeys. I love monkeys and I love is it Mr. Strong? What's the what's the the kind of like almost mesh Scrub Daddy? Scrub Daddy. My metal scrub daddy. Yeah. Scrub like Daddy sound yeah. Just the name Scrub Daddy when I think of it, like it it's got like a S and M sort of like oh, this is Scrub Daddy, I expect big mustache and one of those leather caps and it's just a sponge. Just a really, yeah. really good sponge. So if you get anything um, else I don't have anything else, but <clears throat> if I can just say, we don't usually, we, we don't on Mouth of Clyde finish with a prayer, but we do finish with some religious news. So do you have something on the Holy Father? Oh, yes. I was looking into this. The, the Pope might be coming back to Glasgow for the COP26. Mm-hmm. That he might be, come because it's all world leaders and stuff coming, and he runs Vatican City, which is probably about the same size as our toilet. Mm-hmm. Not that it was calling the Vatican City a toilet because it would be a really nice toilet if it was, but it's the smallest city in the world, is it not? Yeah. The smallest country in the world, is it? So you've been there yeah. too. You know, you've I have been, been there, there yeah. I had some lovely salad there. Pope salad? Insulata al tono. Lovely. Was that the one with our tuna through it? Yeah, that's what we call Rome salad now in this house. It's understanding that Scottish bishops have been told to prepare for his holiness for flying in in November. Well, that'll be exciting. So, um, but that's us. We're going to finish now. Um, we've went over our hour. That's what we do. We're going to be back on Wednesday, is it? Wednesday. So Wednesday. Let me see. I'm just going to have a look over my... Because I always keep a thing open on... Sky and it's called Off the Wall, the offbeat stuff. And let me see if have you seen the plastic surgeon that turned up from court who was in the middle of operating from a pa- a patient while he was doing a speeding ticket? He couldn't yeah. get the time off work, so he's in the middle of doing some plastic surgery while at court. I will Jeez, put this on a Zoom. On a Zoom. 
God. The beeps and machinery could be heard through the Zoom call, and the patient's procedure was taking place just out of view. I'll. It was for a traffic violation. The guy's in the scrubs. Anyway, yeah. so I will send this, and we can put it on mouth of the Clyde because it's it's an unusual one. All right, and it, but... and it just shows you that people that can't go up the car and keep on a black screen, and this dude can do a fucking medical procedure and still go to court. So okay. what's your excuse? Well, on that note, we're going to finish. <laughs> we want to thank our sponsors at the Inverclay Boiler Company. Um, please get in touch with us on social media if you've got any like, comments or contributions or want to see us talking about anything. We'll be back on Wednesday, probably about three o'clock. And you can catch Sweet. this podcast again on Spotify and Apple and all the usual places. And thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure and thank yous. And I hope we see you on Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.